Hello, my name is Daniel Daly. Welcome to the Basketball Soapbox, episode 37. Um, it's been winding down the NBA season, and we're finally getting towards the end of it. Playoff battles are happening. Seating positioning is happening. Playoff teams, playing teams, trying to get in. Um, a lot of things are going on, but we're going to talk about one team that has been falling off the tracks here, and that is the Dallas Mavericks. And they are 37 and 41 on the season right now. And people are pointing the finger at Kyrie Irving so far. And I'm like, no, I don't think that's the right move. I don't think that's the right person to blame in this situation. People are looking at Luka Doncic saying his defense um, isn't up there. And let's be honest, both of these guys, when you look at the scouting report, when you look at anything on these guys, defense wasn't on the uh, strengths. <laughs> that was never their strength. Uh, that was never – something that was never their calling card. The scoring the basketball, being a facilitator is more in their uh, wheelhouse, to say. Um, so I'm not going to blame Luka Doncic. I'm not going to blame Kyrie Irving. I'm not even going to blame Jason Kidd, who people are trying to uh, – basically he looks like he's going to take the brunt of this so far. Um, but let's be honest. The Dallas Mavericks have a Mark Cuban problem. That is the issue with the Dallas Mavericks right now. Bad management. Uh, and this stems from even the championship years with Dirk uh, and those following teams and just the failure to build around him. Um, so this has been going on for over a decade with the Dallas Mavericks, right? Like, of course, they had that championship run with Dirk. Uh, they stumbled there. I'll get into that. And now we have this new iteration of the Dallas Mavericks with Luka Doncic. And they're in that same rut again. They're trying to find uh, pieces to put around him, figure out what they're doing. But the Mavericks have just made bad move after bad move. And let's get into that. Um, obviously, the failure to keep the 2011 championship team together. What I mean by that is they have an amazing run in the playoffs in 2011. One of the best runs ever in basketball history that you could possibly say at that point in time uh, to put something together like that with that team was remarkable. We can't even ignore that. Uh, they beat the Portland Trailblazers in the first round. They go on to beat the Kobe Bryant-led Los Angeles Lakers. I think that was Phil Jackson's last series, or was it the year after? Um, but they had Andrew Bynum, Paul Gasol, Kobe Bryant, all that stuff. They weren't favored in that. Then they beat the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, the young boys of Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, that team there. And then they beat the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat who were favored all year, the Heatles, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. They put up one of the basketball performances on the year. And they won the championship, led by Dirk. Um, Jason Terry played remarkable. Tyson Chandler, most impressively. Uh, that team had Pages Stajakovic and De uh, Deshaun Stevenson. They're just a good, good cast of guys. Jason Kidd, Sean Marion, guys that know their roles, veterans, all know how to play their roles. Um, really got after it on the defensive end. Shot the ball well, scored well, played great. Led by Rick Carlisle as the coach. One of the best championship runs from a team that wasn't favored uh, to win the championship like that. Moving forward in the offseason, of course, Mark Cuban has a wondering eye. 
he doesn't want to lock down Tyson Chandler at that point in time. And I thought that was one of the biggest mistakes because Tyson Chandler was the perfect piece next to Dirk Nowitzki. Guy that didn't need the ball, guy that can finish around the rim, a guy that's a tremendous rim protector. Dirk Nowitzki is not a rim protector. He's not a mobile guy. He's not going to defend in the post. That's not his calling card. And that's basically the end of that, right? Like Tyson Chandler was that guy for them. And next year he gets traded, um, sign and trade, and he gets traded to New York for a bunch of pieces that don't really matter. That hurt them tremendously. Uh, Pedro Stojakovic retired. Um, I believe they brought in Delonte West. Uh, a couple other guys there to try to man the front Vince Carter. Lamar Odom, they tried to just revamp this team in a way that I didn't think was going to work. And you basically take away the identity of that team, that team that really just went through the playoffs and went on a tier, and you lost all your defensive intensity on that side of the ball. And especially giving up Tyson Chandler, giving up that foundation next to Dirk, and that was the end of that team. Now, moving on to just the failure to build around Dirk Nowitzki. This guy's a Hall of Famer, your franchise player. We all know about the statue being built out. Uh, that was built out in front of the arena, well-deserved. Uh, a guy that had his whole career there, 20-year career there, gave it his all, went through everything, uh, especially in the 06 finals, losing that, uh, basically having to reinvent himself to get back to the top. And he did it in a Dallas Mavericks uniform. And just the years afterwards, they just didn't build the team correctly around Dirk going forward. You know, of course, there's going to be a down period, of course, when you lose guys like Tyson Chandler and you lose guys like Jason Kidd. But just the failure to build anything back around him, you bring in Elton Brand, you bring in Vince Carter, you bring in Darren Carlson, Jay Crowder, Eddie Curry. These are just a couple of names that I'm naming. O.J. Mayo, Delonte West. How was that helping your Hall of Fame player? I just don't think so. So they were able to turn around and get to 49 wins one season. Um, Monte Ellis came in. There was a shock for them, bringing some type of offensive value next to uh, Dirk Nowitzki. They're sitting there like, how is this team winning? And, of course, Rick Carlisle is a great coach. He's going to figure out he's going to put it together. And they end up winning 49 games one year. The next year they win 50. And that's the year they bring in Rajon Rondo. When they bring in Rajon Rondo, that's something that took a step back. And he didn't, he rubbed uh, elbows wrong with the wrong way with Rick Carlisle. They never got along day one. Rondo came from Boston. They picked up Dwight Powell and Rondo in a trade with Boston. And everything just seemed to shift with that team, right? Like, they never got off on the wrong foot. You brought this head again to the locker room, despite even winning 50 games, and it just went haywire. It just went downhill. That's what you helped Dirk Nowitzki with. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, it's not like he was getting all-star players or opening up cap space and all this other stuff there. And now I go back to Tyson Chandler. 
he didn't want to sign Tyson Chandler to possibly chase Deron Williams, Darren Williams, and Dwight Howard. Neither of those guys he got. Neither. So how does that help your Hall of Fame player? It doesn't. So you're 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 planning the next move without making the right move. And it hurt his team tremendously. Now let's move on to signing Chandler Parsons in 2014. Of course, everyone was shocked to see that uh, signing happening. Everyone was like, why are you paying this guy, what, roughly $17 million a year? What are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, how is this even going to help? And, of course, Chandler Parsons had his good years in Houston. Uh, a very good three-point shooter, very good scorer, a solid scorer as a third option. Uh, ability to play, make a little bit. And you thought that you were going to bring that into the Dallas Mavericks, of course. Team him with Dirk, a guy that can spot up, play, make a little bit. Cool. That's I'm not mad at that signing. Of course, everybody was like, why are you doing this? And Chandler Parsons played all right for Dallas. He got hurt later in that whole stint there. So that, I'm, I'm not going to kill Mark Cuban for that move. I can understand what he was trying to do. Have a guy that was emerging as a player come in next to Dirk, play with him, the market, whatever the case may be and build it up. So that's 2014. 2015, he put all his chips on the table, and he chased DeAndre Jordan. Now, DeAndre Jordan uh, was the part of the Law of City in, in L, with the L.A. Clippers um, and was able to make some all-NBA all, all teams. I believe he made one all-star team. And that was a fiasco. Like, that was bad. <laughs> that was all over national TV. Uh, uh, basically verbally agreeing, DeAndre Jordan verbally agreed with the Dallas Mavericks four years to $80 million. And the Los Angeles Clippers front office basically said, yeah, that's not happening. And they basically essentially kidnapped him and held him hostage and basically convinced him to resign with the Los Angeles Clippers which I thought was crazy because I didn't think DeAndre Jordan was that valuable. Of course, he was great because he was a defensive player, defensive stopper, rim protector, lob threat, all that stuff that would be needed in today's NBA. But at that time, DeAndre Jordan, no. He wasn't worth all that for. Not in my opinion. So DeAndre Jordan makes a couple All-NBA teams. I believe he makes All-NBA first team in 2016. Uh, to the 2015, he makes third team, and then 2017, he makes third team, I believe. So there was some promising there with the Clippers, but I think he, that was more of a product of his environment, playing with Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, Doc Rivers as the coach, et cetera, et cetera, J.J. Riddick, all those guys there. I think that was more of a product of his environment, more than anything else. So you miss out on that, and then there's just the down years of Dirk Nowitzki, uh on his way out, right? Like Dirk Nowitzki played on a couple of lottery teams and nothing came from it. There was Ronnie Buwaz and all these other guys that you tried to bring in that just didn't elevate and help Dirk in his waning years. So all that stuff happens. And you continue to go on. Now you have Dirk Nowitzki on his way out his last year. They finished 33 and what? 47 or something like that in 49. So they're on their way out. 
you end up hitting gold in the draft by drafting Luka Doncic. Of course, it was via trade with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, you guys drafted Trey Young. They drafted Luka Doncic, and you guys made the trade. Smart move. Uh, you guys saw that on the wall. You guys saw who Luka Doncic was before anybody else. And that basically set up this new run here. Uh, with Luka Doncic on your roster, pushing forward with this new team. Cool, I'm with that. Like, that's a smart move. Kudos to you guys. Um, you guys are bringing Kristoff Porzingis, injury-prone, whatever the case may be. Um, the first year they go to the playoffs with the Clippers, and I thought they were going to beat the Clippers. Unfortunately, Kristoff Porzingis gets hurt. Luka gets hurt, I think, in the last game and stuff like that. And it's over. Cool, but expect seeing where they were, seeing how they were at that point in time, you, you thought the Dallas Mavericks were on the uprise, like, hey, there's something here brewing that could help this team go forward. Like, even despite the injuries, despite what happened, you have to feel good. You guys had Seth Curry, uh, Max Kleber. So you had some guys on your team where it was like, okay, we can see where this is building and towards something. You have two guys at least that could propel the franchise forward. The next year, uh, him and Christoph Porzingis are not seeing eye to eye. Things are going in and out. Christoph Porzingis is in and out. And they basically fall out of favor with each other. Completely understandable that happens between teammates, but to the point of where it happened and to the degree it happened, it was an epic failure signing Christoph Porzingis and not materializing, not materializing that duo ship with Luka Doncic. So somehow, despite all of that, despite all of that, you guys get into the playoffs and you guys basically make a run last year, a great run last year. You guys led to crazy defense. And again, you guys hired Jason Kidd. I don't know how you guys, uh, that defense stayed like how it was. But somehow they were able to do it, no rim protection, and getting it done. Made a crazy run through the playoffs, get to the Western Conference Finals. And, yes, there were some injuries along the way, but you found out some dynamics of your team that could work. And one of the dynamics of the team was Jalen Brunson for the year team. Jalen Brunson emerged. Um they had a chance to sign Jalen Brunson earlier in that season for four years, $54 million. They never offered it to him. Stake number one on that part. They get to the playoffs. They defeat the Utah Jazz in the first round. Annihilate them. That's the last time we saw Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. They go to the Phoenix Suns. Beat the hell out the Phoenix Suns. Whip they ass. <laughs> I'm talking about what they ass. Beat them on their floor game seven in the blowout. And Dallas is looking like they're high on everything. Of course, they go up against Golden State, and they have no chance against Golden State at that point in time. They just didn't have enough around Luka at that time, and whatever the case may be. So you head into the offseason. And all year when you guys didn't sign Jalen Brunson, New York New York personnel is showing up at y'all games basically tampering. <laughs> you know, basically checking out him and other players allegedly. Whatever the case may be, they sign he signs with Dallas. He signs with New York in the offseason. 
cool, whatever. You you know, you, you, you messed up on that. That was a big mess up for Dallas because you had a guy that was in-house, played well next to Luka, didn't have an issue, and was balling in the playoffs for you guys. Balling, absolutely balling for you guys in the playoffs. In the playoffs, Jalen Brunson was averaging what? Let's see here. Let me just check right here. Was averaging 21 points, nearly five rebounds, nearly four assists for you guys. Playing next to Luka Doncic, who is high ball um, ball dominant, high volume shooter. All these things Luka Doncic is that he still is now today. But Jalen Brunson was that missing piece for you guys in terms of playing defense, um, able to create his own shot able to bring a certain type of toughness and liveliness to your team, along with Spencer Dinwiddie. I can't leave him out of this either. And that's a three-guard tandem that just gives teams nightmares. And instead of building on that, you lose Jalen Brunson to free agency to the Knicks, where he now has the Knicks balling in, what, fifth place, fourth place? I can't remember. But playing really well was in consideration of being an all-NBA team player, in my opinion, before a little injury there, here and there. But you lose Jalen Brunson. You go into the season, you're struggling. And you guys are four games over 500. I think they were 30 and 26 when they made this trade. But you trade Dorian Finney-Smith. You trade Spencer Dinwiddie for Kyrie Irving. And Kyrie Irving is a better scorer than those guys. He's a better scorer than Jalen Brunson. But you lose a little bit of playmaking there. I think you had a good three-man tandem there when you had your three-guard lineup with Luka, with Brunson, with Spencer Dinwiddie. When you had that lineup, there was creation. People were able to get their own shot. You guys were able to create mismatches. You throw that all away for, and especially the defensive end with losing Jalen Brunson and losing Dorian Finney-Smith, probably one of your best defenders. Now you're bringing Kyrie Irving, who has his baggage or whatever the case may be. He's a savant with the basketball. He's able to score. But that was really your only play on this season, right, was to have Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving just score a lot, outscore teams, be entertaining, but able to win close games in those situations with those two guys who can score on anyone, who can create and finish. I understood the vision, what you guys were doing, but what you guys did was trade in the defense for the offense, and now your team is worse. Your team is worse. It's bad. It's bad. I think they're 7-15 and 15 since the trade. They're 4-10 and 10 with Kyrie Irving and Luka plays. They're under 500 since that trade, and they're falling fast. Falling fast, and... That was a shot in the dark because now with this potential play happening, you're now, what, in 11th place. You're out of the plane right now. You don't have any defensive edge to you guys. You guys can't stop the ball. And teams are going to attack Luka Doncic and attack Kyrie Irving. They were never able to play defense. Not willing participants on that end. So to sit here and be like, hey, they're not playing defense. They're not holding up their end of the bargain. No, your team is pretty bad right now. And you traded the foundation. You failed to re-sign Jalen Brunson. You failed to put together anything around Luka Doncic. 
And of course, this year they brought in Nico Harrison, who was in the Nike executive, I believe, at the time. Um, and that's your next player, right? Like you couldn't bring any free agents here. You missed out on Dwight Howard, Darren Williams, even though he came later. I think they even had Dwight Howard, I think, a little later too. But you're missing out on these guys. You're 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 failing to build your team correctly because you want to get free agents and you want to get big time names. You didn't think much of Jalen Brunson and he outplayed whatever you guys offered him. He outplayed you guys and went to a better situation for him. And in turn, you ended up ruining your roster right now. And with the trade to Kyrie Irving, you gave up picks. You gave up two guys that were foundational players to your team. And now you may lose him for nothing in the offseason because he can walk as a free agent. Now, are there going to be many teams out there where that will sign him? A lot of people are saying no because of his baggage and his character, whatever the case may be. But what they're going to do is they're going to look at those numbers and say, 25-5-5 and so far? He's playing well for y'all. He ain't the problem. Maybe we can bring him in here and have something. I don't know if Kyrie Irving's going to get a max deal. I don't know about that. But there's going to be teams in play for Kyrie Irving, regardless of whatever the media thinks, whatever people are trying to paint a brush with Kyrie Irving, whatever the case may be. Teams will be interested in Kyrie Irving. So now you don't have draft picks. You don't have the foundational players that you had last year. You have Tim Hardaway and Luka Doncic on contract, and you have a couple other guys on contract. But you have no assets to get better other than cap space. Now, let's look at free agents this year, because <laughs> that's the next thing. Russell Westbrook is a free agent. Kyrie Irving is a free agent. Um, Kevin Love is a free agent. D'Angelo Russell is a free agent. Nikola Vucevic is a free agent. Jeremy Grant is a free agent. Karis LeVert, Harrison Barnes. Will Barton. So those big-name free agents that you were positioning yourself for is basically Kyrie Irving, maybe a Fred Van Fleet, Guys like that nature, guys like that. That's not going to move the needle for you. And maybe Fred Van Fleet could be that ideal guy coming in there, being a Jalen Brunson type of guy that plays tough, able to score, able to play defense and fight on that side of the ball. Maybe that's your angle. But too many times you sit there and you shot yourself in the foot as an executive, as an owner, and – I don't see it like you got you brought in Nico Harrison. He's a Nike guy. He's going to have connections with those guys through Nike. OK, that's your play on that. But you failed on those aspects of your team. You haven't been able to bring, bring big free agents there. I think the biggest free agent that you have brought there. Is Chandler Parsons. In your whole franchise history, that's your best free agent signing. I can't think of another person. No state income tax in play on that. All the stuff that Dallas has tried to play. And they even make their own, the locker room, the visitor's locker room. Awesome. So other players get interested in wanting to play this. All this mind tricks and stuff that they're trying to play rather than just running a good organization. You don't have Rick Carlisle now. Jason Kidd's most people are rumbling about Jason Kidd. And it's like, it's not his fault. Like, he had the defense working last year. He had everything working last year. Jalen Brunson was very big to what they did. Fast forward into the season, even though your team isn't as good, 
you were still above 500. You were still in position to be a playoff team. And you give us Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, and now you have Kyrie Irving who doesn't play defense. You have Luka Doncic who doesn't play defense. And that calling card that you had last year, you don't have it this year. I mean, I, I don't understand the moves that he's making. Um, maybe there's something I'm not seeing. Maybe there's going to be a big move that he's going to make that I'm not seeing. But right now, if you're a Dallas Mavericks fan, I don't see it. And especially after last season, even though there were some injuries and some got things that helped along your way, the dismantling of the Jazz, people are saying COVID against Utah, I mean, against Phoenix or whatever the case may be, or they just fell out of favor, especially the the whole beef between uh, DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams. All that stuff played in play. But you got to the Western Conference Finals. Regardless if we think that was a fluke or not or whatever the case may be, we were expecting better than this. And I, and I said before the start of the season, you're, they were going to be a playing team because of the state of the Western Conference. Other teams, I think, I thought were just going to be better. But nobody saw this. I, I thought it was going to be like a Luka Doncic, uh, LeBron season where I think LeBron finished 45 and 37 in the Eastern Conference, and they took a step back after getting to the finals. So I compared it to that because I was like, I think that he's going to have to struggle a little bit. He's going to play fantastic. He's going to have a great season. And he's dealing with some stuff off the court. Luka Doncic right now, I believe he's in legal battles with his mom and branding and stuff like that, all that stuff like that. I think there's a little stuff there. Hopefully he's able to work his way through that. Um, but Mark Cuban has just done a lot of things that where he's swung and missed. And, of course, what, what do I know? He, he bought that team, in, I think, 1999, uh, made a finals run, is the anti-owner in the NBA. Like, he's against the grain. He rubs people the wrong way. But in terms of managing this team, running this team, hasn't looked good. And, of course, there's a whole bunch of stuff with off the court issues with that organization that you can look up. But just in general, it's like he's trying to make these big moves and he has nothing to show for it as the owner of Dallas Mavericks. Of course, he has that championship in 2011, but all the stuff that he's trying to put in play for his team in terms of big free agents, no state income tax, you have the best locker rooms. All this stuff that is basically fluff right now is looking really bad, especially because the team is struggling. Because Luka Doncic is struggling, having a tough season. Your team is not good. They're not good on the defensive end. You don't have enough around Luka. I, I really don't see the answers so far. Like, I, I don't see it. Kelly Ubery, Josh Richardson. I'm not saying that he can't put together a better team right now. But right now, in the way that it looks right now with this this, this Dallas team, I just don't see them turning the tide here. And people have been worried about Luka Doncic's uh, essentially asking for a trade. People have been saying, hey, he's going to be the guy that asks for a trade and one out. He's going to be the guy that does that. And I don't know if Luka Doncic is built that way, but he definitely needs some help. He definitely needs somebody around him. He needs a second guard. He needs a, a rim protector. He needs some type of defensive resistance where you can put together G the dynamic of this team on the court and have it flow, have it work, and have it be more balanced than being Luka iso ball heavy, Kyrie Irving iso ball heavy. They got to figure that point out. They got to figure something out in that 
to make this team better. And I just don't see it right now. Maybe there's a trade again. Maybe there's a trade out there that they can make that I'm not seeing, but they haven't made it. And I don't think they're going to make it. I don't see them turning this around right now and they have to figure it out, but I'm not going to blame Kyrie Irving. I'm not going to blame Luka Doncic. I'm not going to blame Jason Kidd. I'm not going to blame that roster. Mark Cuban has to make better decisions as an owner. Maybe it's coming on the horizon, especially with Nico Harrison getting in there, getting his feet wet. Maybe something's going to happen. Maybe. But right now, Mark Cuban has not ran this team correctly, has not given the superstar the proper uh, tools around him. Of course, he has the spread in D, the, the spread in D offensive. That, that was what that was going to be. Put Luka Doncic, put the ball in his hand, have him go have him surrounded by shooters. And it's been working for the past couple of years, but it's now running its course where you fail to build on that. You fail to make progress on the, on the roster, on that team, to basically make them more of a contender, make them a better playoff team. They should be comfortably in the playoff spots. And so far in Luka Doncic's career, they've been towards the bottom of the half. Um, they made a great run last year. Of course, some things were on their side, but it's just like, I don't see where the next move for them is. And it's going to be interesting offseason. It's going to be interesting to see, especially if they resign Kyrie Irving. Um, we shall see. You know, um, it's, it's tough right now for Dallas right now. And they're they're sinking. They just lost to Miami tonight. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the offseason, if they're able to keep Kyrie Irving. Because if they lose Kyrie Irving, they at least have the cap space to do something. But that free agency, I don't know – who they're going to get in that regard. Um, it's going to be interesting, as I said. I don't I don't see it for them right now. I'm trying to look up Fred Van Fleet's contract, so give me a second. But yeah, I just I just don't see it for them. I just don't see it for Man, am I going blind? Hold on one second. Yeah, I just don't see it for them. Maybe they can get, get Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Fleet <laughs> on some type of deal to come in there and help Luka Doncic because that's a 3 and D guy. Um, Fred Van Fleet's a tough guard. But they need to do something and figure it out for Luka Doncic um, right now. And maybe these are just the struggling years for Luka Doncic. He's just going to have to play through it and just try to find a way to reinvent his play style a little bit. And it's working for him. Of course, you get all the points, you get all the assists you want. But in terms of being so ISO-centric, um, not playing defense, at some point that's going to catch up to him, and it looks like it is. So we'll see if they're able to turn the tide here in Dallas. Um, but Mark Cuban, Nico Harrison, Luka Doncic, they got to figure it out as that three-headed trio down there. And um, – Pray that they figure out the Kyrie Irving situation and pray that they figure out um, this Mark Cuban problem because uh, a lot of the moves he's making as an owner doesn't look good right now. doesn't look good. Um, and that will do it for this episode of the Basketball Soapbox. Um, I'll be talking about the NBA season winding down. Um, of course, the Celtics and Bucks are battling for first place. Um Seeding going out west with the Phoenix Suns, the Clippers, 
Lakers have made their way up a little bit there. So we'll get into that. And it's WrestleMania season. So, of course, um, join us on Ring Takes, as always, as we're probably going to do a recap, a Raw recap, going over WrestleMania and Raw uh, this coming week. Going to be interesting, of course, going down towards the end of the basketball season. I'm going to be looking at my picks at the beginning of the year and see where we are placed now as the end of the season and my picks for awards and stuff of that nature. Um, we'll be getting into that. Um, but that will do it for this episode, episode 37. Thank you for joining me, and I'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>